1: good evening and welcome to swinging from the hips and we've hit 20 yes we've had a sort of good partnership and we just got to make sure we carry on through that and uh it'll convert it into a high score so yeah 20 shows into this one so and today on today's show, we've got Pakistan finishing their tour in a high. We'll look back at their T20 series with England. We'll check out the Australian squad that will now replace Pakistan against England, and they'll be playing three T20s and three ODIs. We'll check out what's happening in the CPL and uh, see at the top of the leaderboard there. And then we will get into Gary Stead, who's got an employment contract extension, and we'll see whether he has deserved that or not and um send, we'll also discuss anything that you send us in so make sure that you send us in some questions or any comments or anything make sure you put them into your comment section whether you're in facebook or youtube or on, on, on twitter i think that comes through as well let us know but before we get into all that let's welcome rohit and taz and uh to the show and uh good evening guys G'day. how are you doing
0: good Good,
1: good to you. be back yeah yes this yes, is a couple of weeks off and he's back in again and taz you've had a good week
2: yes busy be, being busy so far so it's is good back to yep. be out of the lockdown
1: so yes absolutely yeah back out of lockdown and uh definitely noticed the people out and about so um i suppose uh we'll carry on and um, we'll head into the annals of time and see what's happening uh this week in history with uh rohit so uh where you go mate
0: Fantastic. Well, had a lot of stuff happened in the last week in history, but um, I think the biggest thing of all for this uh, one is 29th of August back in 1882. Now, this is a birthday, but not as we all know it. This is the this is the date that the Ashes was born and what they were set 85 runs to win at the Oval in England were 51 for 2 chasing the 85. Before um, WG Grace was out. Fred Spothoff took seven for 46 to lead Australia to a seven-run win. And that's when the mock obituary was printing in the Sporting Times and the legend was born of the ashes. Uh, Same date, 29th of August 2017. Now, this is another interesting one. After 17 years of trying to win a test, this is when the West Indies finally won their first test after 17 years. Shea Hope being the hero for the Windies, steering them to a 322 run uh, to win that game. Now, that's a pretty large score in a second dig, uh, chasing probably on the last day too. Never saw
1: that. I'll, just, I'll, I'll butt in there. I'll butt in there. I'll be a Baranski. And I'll say, that's my bad. Yeah. It should have should have been that. That was in England. So that was 17 years in England that they, oh, um, uh, after gotcha. 17 years. So that makes a bit more sense now, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. I've been rushing. I apologize profusely. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: sure you should. <laughs> yeah, moving on then. 2013, yeah. mate. This is uh, this is a big one. Finch, Aaron Finch, hitting the highest two T20 total in international. 156 off 63 balls, blazing away, putting Australia onto 248 runs. 400 runs scored in that match because England managed to get over 200, but still lost by 39. And then um, 30th of August... Here we go. 30th of August, 2017, Bangladesh winning their first test against Australia in a low-scoring match. Shakib Al-Hassan was a catalyst and taking, uh, getting a half-century and taking 10 wickets. Only the second player after Sir Richard Hadley was such a feat, and Australia looked comfortable, um, as they always do, chasing, but then Shaqib came to the fore, trapped Warner, leg before wicket, and, uh what was that, 112 and the Australians collapsed thereafter giving the bangers their first win. Well done. Uh, in 79, Ian e. beefy Bofam became the fastest man to do 1,000 runs and 100 wickets in his 21st test. And moving right along, 31st of August, here we go, 1944, the cool cat Clive Lloyd having a birthday and Excuse me, by the time he'd finished his test career, he would scored 7,500, 7,515, shall we say, exactly. Runs. But remember, as there, as the man that restored West Indies cricket to greatness, he was a great leader, wasn't he?
1: Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. He got all that um the, the power that they had at around that time brought them together yeah. and uh, yeah. a little delivered a fantastic team.
0: Well, that's today it, because eh? it's always been trouble with West Indies too, with trying to get everyone from different con- um, countries different together. Countries. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And um, reuniting as one. Yep. And Especially when he has egos. Yes, that's the big thing, isn't it? It's the egos. <laughs> egos <bond. laughs> and, that, and that team, uh, you know, you got to say, wow, he's done bloody well. <laughs> he, does, he did well. <laughs> yeah. Now, moving on to the first of September. Um, 1939, this is an interesting one this is the last day of first class uh, cricket being played on, what is it, 1st of September 1939 why was that important? that was two days before the war breaking out so all the matches were cancelled other matches and yeah that was the end of that and I don't know how long they had a break before they played the next match but it would have been some time
1: I think we had that possibly last week, and it was about 1946 off the top of my head, if I had that right. But it was around Is that, that right? so basically, yeah, it was about five or six years that they, uh, or seven even, um, that they were basically no no cricket played.
0: That's a long interlude, eh? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, 2nd of September, 1980, <laughs> in the centenary test, Kim Hughes became only the third batter to end up batting on all five days of a test, which is interesting, isn't it? Must have had some rain there too.
1: (laughs) Interestingly enough, he actually got two big scores. He got a century and then an 80 in the second innings as well. So, uh, yeah, you got to wonder what happened in between.
0: It's like it's got to be rain. It's got to be played (laughs) in
1: England, (laughs) isn't everything played in England?
0: (laughs) Feels like that at the moment too. Yeah. yeah. And finally, moving on to third of September, nineteen seventy-five. This was the longest first-class match played in England, thirty-two hours and seventeen minutes. It was played between Australia and England, and they had an agreement that the final test could be extended if the Ashes were at stake, and which they were, and Australia had the upper hand on the final and sixth day, but England managed to hold on for a draw. And that's a uh, week in history, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It would
1: have been interesting sort of like, oh, to just randomly decide to stretch out a test by one day. Well, not randomly, but still yeah. you come together and say, oh, we're going to stretch out the test for an extra day.
0: That's Sometimes we wish right? we could do that. Because <clears throat> initially, when I was thinking about when I was reading that, I thought, did they have like the you know how they used to have the day off in the test match? Yeah, the rest day. So yeah yep. the rest day. Yeah, yeah. rest days That's... in
1: the test match. Usually yeah. after the third day, I think it was. Yes, uh, after the third, day. third, third day, day. you'd have a rest day. Yeah. yeah, and then also, and also, then thinking back to timeless tests, But um, yes, I think oh, yeah. I think it was a few weeks ago we were talking about timeless tests, and it's like timeless tests didn't actually go on as
0: long as what you know what we thought. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd have to think with the timeless test back then, the pitches were uncovered, so uncovered. you're going to get a bit more movement around and who's going to bat for three days straight?
1: Or if it's been raining, a bit of a sticky
0: wicket. That's it, that's it. <laughs> what was the longest timeless
1: test?
2: Now I, 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 I
0: can't go look that up. <laughs> <laughs> you might look look it might yeah, take a
2: month, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Within the weather.
0: laughs> a lot of cup of teas and tea and teas
1: well that's that's enough of history anyway we'll, we'll look at what happened this week in cricket and this week in cricket we've had joffra archer josh butler mark wood and sam curran have headed back to white ball cricket and would be named in the squad to face australia that's for england um the surprising omission there is joe root which is yeah sort of like I, I guess guys we would have expected joe root to be in the white ball but they obviously, get, I don't know, giving him a rest or,
0: yeah.
2: He's been, he's been to be honest, like you know, I mean, according to his admission, like he, he still thinks that he's, um, like in the run, but not like he's not ahead of other guys. Especially yep. the amount of guys they have tried and tested over the last twelve months um, with white balls, especially in the shorter like T20s. Maybe yes. he will probably be back for the One Days. I would assume so, but uh, for the T20s, I think there are enough guys, um, sort of. Knocking the door. Knocking <laughs> the door right. 10, and yeah, creating so... a large, long yeah. batting list. Yeah. Yes.
1: So, so moving on, this is Kane. Sorry, Roy. Is
0: that? Sacrificing himself for a Sacrific- break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Have sorry. a bit of a break. Yeah.
1: So moving along, Kane Richardson joins Suresh Rainer and Lassie Malinga and pulling out of the IPL version 2020. Kane Richardson has pulled out due to the imminent arrival of his first child, so uh, wishing his wife and Kane all the best of luck with that. Lassie Malinga has pulled out because of his dad's health issues. And Shuris Rainer has, because of concerns around the effectiveness of the bio-bubble, bio, bio bubble, particularly the one that the Chennai Super Kings are in, because that hasn't been as effective. Now, the COVID, the tide has been hit by COVID-19. In saying that, effectively, the prime that it's primarily the group outside of the playing group that has been affected so but in saying that also the playing group has been put into another bubble and they have been put through extra tests uh, which they have to come through obviously negative to be able to go out and play now because of all this going on i believe that the ipl schedule still hasn't been finalized even though we do have a start date coming up. So but also keep tuned, tuned in for over the next few weeks. We're hoping to get an IPL expert or a fan in um to have a look at the IPL 2020 and look at who's going to be the strong strong ones in there and who's going to be the also ran. So uh, keep make sure you stay tuned for that. Moving along in the news, Glenn Maxwell and Marcus Stuinis have impressed in the intra-squad match as Australia prepare for the 2020 matches starting on the 5th. So that's in a couple of days' time. And we'll be looking at that Australian squad a little bit further in the programme. The PSL, which has been suspended, Pakistan's Pakistan's um, Super League, was been suspended midway in March, will now be completed in November. The playoff matches uh, that will be played are the Eliminator 1 on the 14th of November, Eliminator 2 on the 15th of November, and the final is set for the 17th of November. All of these games will be played at the Gaddafi Stadium in Lahore. Now, the teams left in the mix uh, for those playoffs is the Multan, uh, Multan Karachi, Lahore, and Peshawar. I've said that terribly, Taz, so how do you say that? Peshawar. Peshawar. <laughs> 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 I was like, I was practicing, I just couldn't get it right. <laughs> and, fine, and and also, Gary, locally now, Gary Stead, well, go locally for us New Zealand viewers, um, Gary Stead has been confirmed as the Black Caps head coach for another three years. And we'll talk about whether that's a good appointment or not a bit later on. Finally, the T20 series between England and Pakistan was completed, which we go to first. So, guys, it was supposed to be a three-match T20 series, but unfortunately, like the rest of the summer, the weather has had a big part to play. The first T20 was washed out and was followed by two fantastic matches, with the sides sharing the match uh, match each and drawing the series. But just with that first match, Pakistan would have been disappointed with that first match washout, as after a strong start by England, Pakistan had taken control. Uh, so did you did you see that first one and what what's your feelings at? Did, did pakistan come back into it quite majorly
2: yeah but i think like england still had enough runs on board like pakistan obviously started off well but england sort of the middle over partnerships so that could have been um yeah i guess like pakistan would have kept them under probably under like 180 and 70. Yeah. that would have yeah. been probably um but, like, looks like the size of the grounds and everything looks like um, 200 is the past score, you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> well, as we saw, as we've seen, when we talk about <laughs> this, probably jumping ahead into the um, T22 and T23. So, and really,
0: those scores were 190s anyway, in the other two. Yeah, that's right. They? they were 190. Yeah. So that's why they yeah. were heading
1: around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, 199, I think, was in um, the second one by England. So, yeah. but I mean, like, yeah, just, just on that first one, though, I mean, like, you, they did they did have England under pressure towards the back end of that innings with four overs to go. Basically, mm. it, they were picking up regular wickets. The batsmen weren't getting settled. So there was the chance yeah. that, as I said, there would have been a sub 170 um, score, which Pakistan really would have backed themselves to try and hold that in. So, yes, yeah, they would have been a bit England disappointed.
2: Obviously, missing the, some of their key players as well. So yep. in terms of bowling, they kind of lack the depth and experience. Yes. They probably do have, do have the depth, but it's just like lack the experience and mm. that sort of extra firepower. So, I think, yep. um, as you said, like Pakistan would have been happy with 170, you know? Yeah. And to chase it down. Uh, like, generally, the tracks are good, and, like, it was coming on nice on the back. So, Pakistan did well to sort of pull it back. Like, obviously, Pakistan started started off well, and then, towards the end, they kind of, you know, brought it back. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, with, even with six down, Chris Jordan and Sam Billings, so they still had two guys, and Tom Curran to come, who can hit a ball. Yeah. So I mean, like probably 160 from the 160 and 70 would have been on the cards. Yeah. So I guess like Pakistan probably were disappointed that it rained, you know, when it did. It rained. (laughs) So, so as as we say in rugby, over here, flush the dunny, we move on, and
1: um, we go on to the. We'll just bring that around. Oh no, this is gonna. Oh, there we go. Sorry, one moment, please call us. I'll just get myself sorted here. Why is my computer going so slow? (laughs) Oh, it's done it again.
0: Are you bringing up the second match,
1: are you? Yeah, second match, yeah. I'm just bringing up the second match, sorry. Yeah.
0: There
1: we go. There we go. We got it there. That's the 199, man. Yeah. Yeah. Pakistan
2: scored 195 batting first. Yeah. Yes. You would have been, again, with Pakistan scoring
1: 195 (laughs) at the innings break, they would have been pretty confident that they had enough runs on the board. I mean, even against a very strong England batting lineup, you still would have been pretty confident, or going onto the field, confident that you'd be able to defend one ninety five.
2: Look, I mean, Pakistan is probably one of the like, like over the last like say five years in T Twenty is probably one of the better bowling units, and if they put something like that on board, they should be confident to sort of you know, um, sort of defend it. I think the the disappointment there was. Uh, Especially with the ball that Mohamed Amir um, wasn't as effective as it he has been over the years, and yep. um, young Harris Stroh and Shaheen Shah Freedy, kind of like they're all. I mean, they've they've, they've been playing t twenty for three four years uh, on the circuit, but still, like you know, you probably miss someone like Mahabrias, like with more experience. Yep. And sure. that kind of, I think that's where and Babar Azam. I mean, I he's an amazing batsman, but I think he's he struggles in the middle as a captain. He's got too many senior guys around. I don't know why they made him captain, to be honest. Uh, he, he could have been a good vice captain for maybe a year or two, so that he sort of now he can just, you can see his body language. He doesn't know what's happening sometimes, you know? uh, makes it yep. difficult, you know, sort of for <clears throat> the supporters to see what's happening. And um, I mean, Muhammad Hafiz is there and like Shaib Malik is playing. So I don't know. Either they take all the senior guys out or um sort of uh, make them captain rather right? than sort of young Barbarazam sort of standing in the middle not knowing what's happening so I think yep. and too scared the to make a a to call do, a lot to do with the captaincy as well and Barbarazam is still sort of uh, sort of taking his time
1: finding his feet basically at yeah, that basically, level with, yeah. with and as you say really the biggest issue not so much finding his feet in terms of running the game but finding his feet with all this experience around him and and um, how to tap into it and what to listen to and not to listen to.
2: Look, I mean, Sheikh Malik has been playing professional cricket since uh, 1997, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, and he's, he's a star in the 20s. Um Muhammad Afi is playing professionally since 1998. So these guys have got like 22, 23 years of experience and both mm. are playing. So yep. like, and I just felt like Babar was sort of, he was struggling and then he had yep. a lot of senior guys around, but, Still, like I think, yeah, he's probably that. I'm not saying that costed the game, but that would have made an impact if it, one of the senior guys were the captain.
0: Is it feeling I've been overwhelmed because you've got the older statesman and the same that are there as well?
2: Yes, yeah, I think it's just body language. If you if you've seen the game, he was like he was standing there and just trying to sort of figure out what's happening, like you know, right, uh, yeah. Whereas like Shahid Malik and uh, Muhammad Ali would have been would have controlled the game better yeah and I, I i mean when morgan was batting that's where sort of it just went away from pakistan like that you know? so
0: wouldn't that be the case for the older statesman to then go over to the younger guy and part, yeah, and part that's, some I advice mean, ideally
2: I, yeah. ideally that's, that's how it should be but the only thing yeah. is like um he was preferred over those two guys yeah so because those two guys were there as an option for the captain so yep. that's where it sort of makes it quite awkward like you know i mean for them to step in or not, because if they were good enough, they would have been captain at first place.
0: Yeah. It's not like they're
2: yeah. used to the captain, you know? No, um, that's right. Yeah. So this kind of makes it quite awkward and you can just see that he was struggling, but I hope that he's learned from it, you know? And yeah. so if, uh, I mean, if he doesn't have the seniors around, that would have been probably he would have been more relaxed.
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Did he feel overwhelmed having the seniors around yeah. him and yeah. not feeling the confidence to be able to go up and talk to them. In time of need, really, which is interesting, yeah, because it doesn't so make it for had,
1: a good, um, on it. good knocks, though. By I mean, like Babar Azam, um, probably the strike rate's a bit low for a T20, especially when you're opening up. Um, but Muhammad Hafiz getting a 69 off only 36 balls, so uh, there, there's some good knocks there, um, even, even with the pressure on there. Um, but yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, Muhammad Hafiz, I think with Azam, if you look at the other two guys, so Hafiz has been scoring quite with a high strike rate. So is Fakar Zaman. So Babur probably kind of his role changes, you know. If he's with someone like Imam Al-Hat, who is more of an orthodox specimen who takes mm-hmm. his time, then Babur probably pushes it. So yep. I think he's kind of, he paces his innings accordingly. And um, so, I mean, he, yeah, I, I think he's done a good job. And I personally feel that 195 should have been enough on that pitch, you know, with Pakistan's <laughs> bowling lineup.
1: Well, we look at it, and it's just like, yeah, there was, there was, um, didn't really look like there was anybody putting any pressure on that Pakistani batting lineup from the bowlers. They all pretty much went going for runs. Maybe uh, Gregory down the bottom there, um, with only seven runs and over, sort of keeping a bit of a lid on it. Then we come to the English innings, and I think the one that really stands out for me in the English innings, and probably really turn the innings in England's favour, or the game in England's favour, is really Owen Morgan's um, 66 or 33 at a strike rate of 200. Now, I, I think that's really the the, the beginnings in that in, um, in the total.
2: Like Absolutely, and uh, if you look at the start, like Imad was seen with the new ball, I think his economy rate in top six overs is less than six, yep. and um, obviously he went for runs, and uh, that's kind of a like for If you look at the Pakistan wins in the last three years, every time he's bowled well and with the new ball, Pakistan has won the game. And Pakistan has won a lot more games. So he hardly, like, it's not like that he goes for that many runs every game. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Tom Benton and uh, Birstow, um took him on. And uh, three hours for 30 runs for someone like Imad Wasim who bowls with the new ball and bowls well with the new ball. So I think the, the momentum, England got the momentum from the word, though. Yep. and then obviously, so although like you know Morgan definitely played the, the innings of the game, but if you look at the start, because Pakistan like for Pakistan's success, Imad Wasim is really important with the new ball, and uh, he he just he he wasn't he didn't bowl well. Like he went for ten and over, which was like what they needed. But generally, he would go for like less than six and over in the like with the new ball, and that kind of helps and puts the pressure on the middle order.
1: Puts the pre- exactly. Puts the pressure back mm-hmm. on the batting team. That means that the bowlers following through actually have a bit of um, fat, for want of a term, where they can you get away with uh, a little bit of um, and, loose bowling. If you look
2: up, like uh, say, Mohammad Amir again, like you know, Pakistan's spearhead for last few years with white ball cricket, I went for yep. two hours for 25. So 25. basically, these two, Imad Wasim and Mohammad Amir, the eight overs usually go for around 55-60 runs at max. Mm. and uh, that's the difference because they, they've only bowled five hours between the two, two of them and went for 55 runs. So, yep. and if you look at, so I think um, when it comes to like T20, I mean, obviously you, your main bowlers have to show up, and unfortunately <laughs> these two guys didn't. Uh, although Imad only went for 10 and over, which was like what they needed, uh, but you generally expect him to keep it tighter so that other ballers can go for more runs, you know?
1: <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, you look at that, any sort of thing, is this part, I mean, like, effectively, and we talk about that washed-out first game. They didn't get to bowl. Well, I mean, they did, actually, know they did bowl in the first game. But it's like, because of the way, the nature of the series, the lockdown and bubbles and everything, they didn't get all the warm-up games. I mean, they're inter-squad matches, but it's not really the same as having a game against, say, some county sides or some, some sort of build-up like that, is it? It's just like to really hone yourself in foreign conditions because you've gone somewhere and to get used to those conditions.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, like, if you look at, like, obviously they've been playing inter-squad and um, for example, someone like Mohamed Amir has played a lot of county cricket. So, like, the senior guys have actually played in England enough to figure out the conditions and sides of the boundaries and stuff. Um, It is the younger guys who probably would struggle more with that. And, uh, like, Harris Roof in this game bowled, right? Four was for two for 34. Um, Shadab Khan again, league spinner did okay, three for thirty-four, uh, but no one really went for less than six and over. Like you know, like you know, any game, like you know, you got one spinner or one medium pacer who goes for like not many runs, and not that many kind runs of, yet. and that kind of, um, then you can afford one or two guys uh, not to have a good day. So I mean, like, in this one, if you look at Mohammad Amir and Imad Wasim, I um, if Sakar Ahmed is a part-time bowler. So, he bowled three overs. So, I mean, I don't know if Ame was unfit or uh, the captain chose not to bowl him. Because, like, um, from from my understanding, like, even if you have someone someone like Muhammad Amir is having a bad day, you still bowl him more, four overs because he's your senior pro. So, yep. I don't know if that's something to do with his fitness or, um, I mean, he's only bowled two overs. So, he's got still two overs left. And, um, obviously... He wasn't going to, wasn't going to bowl again so i guess like this got to do with the captaincy as well
1: and, and as you said i mean like um is this the mohammed muhammad emir as your senior bowler even though he's gone for a few in the first two, first two what you generally see with um your senior bowlers is that they go for a, they go for a runs in those first couple of overs but they're able to come back and adjust something which means that they can convert it so you do have to like wonder what was going on in the captain's mind or was he injured
2: Exactly. So if he's not injured, then um, I, I, I think that's probably the captaincy as well. Because, say, I mean, if you need 10 runs of the last over and Mohamed Amir has gone for 40 of three overs and a young guy has gone for 25 of three overs, I would probably still ball Mohamed Amir because <laughs> yeah, yeah. of his experience. To agree. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think like if he's only balled two overs, either he was injured or... Um, I mean, there's nothing came up that he was injured. So I, I assume that he, he just didn't finish his quota out. Uh, four overs, and that's yeah. That's where I think the captain probably got it wrong as well.
1: Yeah, yeah so so in the end, um, England um, able to actually get quite a comfortable victory in that one, even chasing down that one 90-odd, and it's like they had an over to spare, so quite comfortable for them in the end.
2: Yeah, I mean, like Owen Morgan, as you said, he just took the game away, you know, and uh, just the strike rate of 200 around that time, it's just, you know, um, but I mean, again, like, they chased in the last over, so could have been
1: closer yeah. You know. <laughs> okay <laughs> so we'll bring up the third third game and um what third game it turned out to be quite a thriller with Pakistan again sent into bat scored a very good total again and again would have felt comfortable at the break uh Muhammad Hafiz scoring a re- career equaling high score of 86 um but England stayed in the hunt uh, right through the end but um how did you feel? Like, did, How much of the game did you actually see live? Did you see some of it live?
2: Yeah, actually, because this was a late, like, for early morning start for us. So I actually managed yep. to see the second inning, watch the second inning. But I watched the highlights and the recording of the first innings as well. So yep. I, I think, like, Pakistan for Pakistan, because it was a long tour. The boys have been there for, like, almost, like, two months now. And yes. uh, so Heatherly got his first hit of the tour. And he's he's 19 and scored a 50 or 30 or, like, 28 or 29 balls. So, that's a positive for Pakistan, that they've got a, another young, confident player coming up. And hopefully, sort of, you know, it's a good start for... I mean, he's the first Pakistani to score a T20-50 on debut. So, I, yep. I guess, like, that's a, that's a good sign for Pakistan. Uh, runs, I think, 190 again, because, they, like, obviously, England chased down um, 195 in the last game. So, you always wonder, like, you know, uh, what, what will happen. But... Um, they, I guess like they moved, they changed, there was a couple of changes as well in, those, in, in the playing 11. So with Wahabias yep. coming in for Muhammad Amir, so like for like in terms of experience. And then surfraz Ahmed came in for Muhammad Rizwan, which which surprised me because Rizwan has been keeping really well. But Serfraz can bat. So I guess like, I mean, they both can bat, obviously, but Serfraz is more, he hits in the area which are quite like strange. And maybe that's how they got him in, or he's been sitting there for two months and they say, oh, might as well give him a game, you know.
1: (laughs) 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 Everybody has to have a go. Everybody has to get a
2: certificate. (laughs) Uh, So, Sheree Malik didn't obviously bet. Um, So, again, like a senior guy who didn't obviously get a chance to prove himself. Um, But, yeah, I think 190, again, like, you know, would would have been a good score on any day for Pakistan. But keeping in mind the previous game, I'm sure, like, you know, sort of, uh, they were they, they would have been sort of uh, not as confident as they were in the previous game going in to sort of defend that total. Did you,
1: as a fan sitting there, and it, yeah. did you feel like we have to get Owen Morgan and we got a good shot at this?
2: Yeah, I, 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 like, I mean, as a fan, I don't know. I mean, I obviously sort of follow Pakistan cricket, but I think it was more like, um, I just wanted the guys to be confident in the middle. Whereas yep. like Babar Azam again, like he was lost, he was a lost soul, you know. <laughs> he just didn't know what's <laughs> happening. <you> know? <laughs> and a couple of times, as soon as the things go wrong, like things go, like the momentum shifts shifts to England. Like Babar Azam's body language and everything, it was he was just a worried man, and uh, that really concerned me. That like moving on because there's a World Cup next year and the year after. Um, I personally think that like if this if you keep on playing the senior guys, just just give them like just make Hafiz or Malik captain for a year. So that and and make Babar Azam vice captain. So vice captain, learn, you know, mm. rather than sort of him being lost on the field, you know. So so, so how old is Babar Azam again? He's twenty five, turning twenty six.
1: Twenty five. Okay. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. So He's Does around. I mean, he,
1: but it, that, that's that's quite a key thing, though, as you say, with World Cups coming up next year, and because of the COVID situation, the following year after that as well, they really needs they need to sort that out, don't they? Because. As you said, Pakistan actually have a quite a well-balanced side in terms of a really good bowling unit for the T20 game. So, um, yeah, if, look, if I mean, they're Hafez, going to fall down because of captaincy, they really do want to address
2: that. Yeah, Hafiz is 39, so I'm not sure if they they don't... He's not in their plans for the World Cup next year. There's no point playing him. Mm. Because, obviously, you know the, the young guy who scored a 50 wasn't getting a go. And same with Shred Malik. So, if you want to keep these guys until the World Cup, then might as well make them the captain so
1: that there's more, like, stability, like, you know, on the field. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So as I was mentioning, England stayed, I mean, like, England stayed in the hunt, but it always felt like they were behind. As you said, it was a good viewing time for us here in New Zealand, and I was sort of following it, and this is like, they they just felt like it was always under pressure, always under pressure. And um, when Morgan was run out, this is like, here we go, Pakistan's in. And uh, it seems like Pakistan had it in the bag. But England somehow just managed to eke that game out right to the last ball. And in fact, you know, they needed two sixes. And off the penultimate ball, Curran hits a six. And you go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And, yeah, watching the game, how do you feel? One ball to go, six required. And Curran's just hit the ball for six.
2: I mean, like, um, again, there's this if I think it was change of pace, if I'm not wrong, the the second to last ball. And, right. But I mean, if Harris strove balls full and straight, he's kind of a guy. It's like it's hard to get under, because he's kind of a skiddy, like sort of skiddy. When he balls full, is quite skiddy. You can use yep. the pace to sort of pedal him, but it's hard to hit him like you know, bowler back or something like that. So keeping that in mind, I thought a few balls full and straight. He's he can go for a four, but he can't go for a six from there. And he obviously balls full and straight. I think the turning point from my, um, like when I was watching the game live was when Surfras just missed a simple stumping. I just, right. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> like, you know, he got the ball, or he couldn't get hold of the ball. Moynali gave up and still managed to get back, you know? Oh, so, no, no. yeah, if you look at it, was, that. it just nah. literally it was like he had the ball for three seconds. And I'm not joking. It's <laughs> like if you watch the video, he actually had the ball for three seconds. And like, I don't know what happened there, but. That could have costed the game because after that, um, Ali hit four sixes, you know, and yep. uh, that was just a simple, like, there's nothing like, like, there was straightforward, simple stumping. And um, I don't know if they had to risk Rizwan because i'm um, Razama, they got to the game.
1: <laughs> no, nah, that's... that's um... It was, it was so that was really interesting. Actually, that's throwing me. To be honest, because I I, I missed that part of the game where he missed the stumping because I was watching it and um Ali and I can't remember who was Mo and Ali and I can't remember who was batting with him, but they were struggling and they weren't really getting the runs. There was a a good couple of about an over and a half, in particular, it wasn't. And then the next thing I noticed is like, oh. Mo and Ali's hit all these sixes. So, as you said, four, I think four sixes he hit. So, brought yeah, them back so in I the think convention. He went
2: after the sh- uh, shut And, like, he, he hit well. I mean, he was hitting clean. The only thing was he just got given a chance, you know. So, I think it's just, like, after given a chance, you kind of feel like, you know, you can just, you know, go after the bowlers. And, they, it, I mean, he hit some really good shots. So, no offense there. Like, he actually batted really well. Really well. Yep. If Sir Fras didn't miss those stumping, um, mm. England would have been nowhere near the total.
1: Yep. And it's just like one other. Um, we talked about with the uh, game number two about the experienced bowlers. Um, and you know you want them to start well with the ball. Shaheen, um, obviously youngster, youngster, yes, uh, coming on, and um, he actually bowled a couple of good overs right at the start, top of the innings.
2: Yeah, I mean he's been like with the new ball he's been amazing. It's just like and even with the old ball as well. So he he actually bowled uh, with a little bit more gas. Like he he was he was there with a purpose, you know. <laughs> Like not just running in, he was running in harder than he has been in the previous games. Maybe last game of the last game of the tour, and Pakistan hasn't won anything. Like apart from obviously the tour games against each other, you know. Yep. (laughs) So for them, obviously, it's it was really important to win a game and finish the tour on high. Tour on high. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were like uh, running in well, and I I must say, Wahab Riaz towards the end, he pretty much won the game for Pakistan. I think he went for four four runs or something in yep. his uh, last over and took two wickets and that's that wicket of uh, Moeen Ali and then he oh, lands someone out like Chris Jordan now did you watch that run out
1: no I'm, uh, well, the run out he, i don't remind me actually i did then, see it but it's gone i've gone blank so
2: the bowler hit, hit back at him a uh, batsman hit back at the bowler a little bit wider and he picked it up and like from that low position through it and hit the stumps and got him run out, and it was a jammy. It was, it was good effort. Like you know, they got two two wickets in the same over, and I think that pretty much won the game for us.
1: Just got um, our regular panelist Taran, uh, who's joined us after his birthday celebrations of his son. Um, Shadow was too slow through the year. Would well, you want to respond to that?
2: Oh, <laughs> I mean, Shadow usually is around eighty-five. 85 miles but like looking at the track there was no turn so maybe he was just trying to slow down to get a bit more purchase of the track but there wasn't much so um he, he was a little slower than his usual self but he mixed it up though uh i mean it's just like one of those days where things don't work out you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they share they end up um restricting um england to 185 they, it's a basically a drawn t20 series with both of them taking uh, a match each with one washed out or abandoned so um i suppose that, that i don't know what what do we take away from 2 t T20 series uh how would england feel they'll take we'll take england first how would england feel about sort of obviously with a they've had a separate white ball squad so there will be For example, the obvious one, Ben Stokes, would come back into the T20 side. But with the players that they have had in this um, white ball squad, what do you think they can take away from it?
2: Uh, I think in terms of um, their batting, so Banton, like a new guy, relatively new guy to English Um, Mm Singh. So obviously England, to a degree, were also testing their bench strength. And uh, Banton obviously stood up, so that's that's a positive for England. Um, I think England worry again would be their spinners because Moin Ali and uh, Rashid win for a few runs yep. um, and um, like T20 is obviously next World Cup is in India so you will be carrying a few spinners right so yep. both their spinners struggle like Moin Ali balled one over in the one of the games only like he balled one Not of enough. the chain runs enough. or something and didn't ball the game so I mean that would be a concern that um, their spin, like two sort of senior spin bowlers, struggled. Um, but overall, I think they they tested their bench strength and still sort of came even on the end end of the series. So I guess for England, that's that's a positive. For Pakistan, again, like um, I think they're trying to figure out. And it's probably good for Babar Azam that he's his uh, didn't lose the series. You know, it's one each, <laughs> so there's not a lot of blame on him. Uh, yep. but. Um, for Pakistan, I think Ben Strength, they, they tried a young bowler, Harris Roof. He's been on the circuit for like, I think, 12 months and within Pakistan setup. So he, he did a good job, well, a reasonably good job in the second one. Wahab Riaz is back, which is good. So I think with Pakistan, it would be interesting how they move on from here because Nassim Shah will play a few games. Um, Mohamed Amir, again, like the World Cup is in India so and, and Australia. So um, I guess you want to carry Mohammed Amir for next 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 two years if he's fit. So Wahab Riaz, Mohammad Amir. Um, so Pakistan is kind of like trying the combinations. And um, again, positive for Pakistan is that Hafiz is still young. <laughs> you know, he's still still scoring runs. And yeah. the young guy Heather Ali uh, find off the tour for yeah. Pakistan that scored a fifty. And so yep. for Pakistan, obviously um, they're still working out their combinations and that would sort of, um, this year's would be a tester for them. And then leading up to the World Cup, I'm sure they'll play a lot more T20s and they'll yep. figure out what's the best combination. But I hope it, that they give Barbarazam a break from the captaincy. But let's
1: say- <laughs> so you actually hope that they give, as, as opposed to sort of trying to, you you don't think like, okay, we can see these issues on the field in terms of how comfortably he feels as captain or or whatever's going on in that setup. You don't think they should just try and address that as a, issue yeah, and it's therefore like, get the, the benefits of having bumper Azamu as the captain
2: yeah the thing is you can't buy experience right so yep. a lot of uh, decisions are made um quickly and instinctively you in t20s you don't have that much time to get advice whereas mm. like in a test match or maybe in a one-day game there are enough pauses in the game that you can sort of like you know um sort of you can get some advice from here and there In test match you can get advice from outside like your coaches can send some notes and you can work on it but uh, with t 20s um it's it's been—it it is such a fast game yep. that um, you need to read the game, and uh, yep. and you need to be really like it's—that's where you probably need more experience. And I feel like you know it's just short of like eight, seven-eight seven, eight months is not enough to get him ready for like sort of the World Cup. But let's see how yep. it goes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, like, that's
2: uh, that, that saw that just won't
1: close up.
0: <laughs> I mean, Turan's asked a good question there too in the yep. comments. Yeah, I was, was going to yeah. come
1: to that. So we we did allude to it, but we'll get your confirmation. T twenty, Rizwan or
2: Safraz? I I mean Rizwan for his keeping for sure, uh, but there's another young guy called Rahil Nazir, He was Pakistan and the nineteen captain last year. Um I would probably put him in the mix. I will keep. I, I think I will keep uh, Surfras out, not for his batting, but for his keeping. That his keeping is gone downhill. Um, the stumping I mean, chance that you're you know. Yeah, and it's yeah. not like so. If you want to put pick a keeper, so you pick Rizwan. But if you want to keep the whole package, probably the young guy Rohil, because if his keeping is on par with Safraz and he's a better, he's an opening batsman. So that sort of solves a few problems, but. Uh, at
1: this stage, I would pick Rizwan over uh, Surfrance. Righty. Well, I so we'll look forward to seeing uh, how that all transpires. Obviously, the, a lot of these countries do use T20 series, because there's so many of them gen- normally, um, as, as sort of uh, testing grounds for World Cups. And it seems that T20 in particular seems to be a funneling of testing out talent to see how it's going to go for it at that World Cup uh rather than actually rolling out your best side every time. So we'll see how all these players come along. And obviously, as as the as the players go out there, we'll get the likes of uh, Taz and uh, Taryn as well, when he's available, to come in and um, analyze these guys and see how they're progressing, see these new guys coming along. So we'll move along, and we'll go to the CPL. So the CPL has been going on, and we're into about two and a half weeks into the tournament. And I'll just bring up the table. Uh-oh. Where's the table gone where's my table gone there's the table there's the table and now we've got us there we go there's the table so we see at the top of the table we've got the trinbago night riders and if we have a look at the trinbago night riders they're actually they've played one less game than the next best team in the guyana amazon warriors but they're sitting six points clear at the top and uh they haven't lost the game yet and uh if you follow any cpl at all um, I mean, I try to watch as much as I can. It's, it's quite difficult, but it's they're they're a class. They seem to be a class above the rest, and uh, we'll, we'll sort of we'll talk about that in a second, and I'll come back to them, and we'll look at their squad. And once we look at their squad, we will see why the Trinbago Knight Riders are at the top of that table. But just to round off a couple of other things, my, at the moment, as we've gone through the tournament, Glenn Phillips is actually at the top of the list for the most runs. He scored 248. He's averaging forty one point three three. Nicholas Peran has scored the high, has had the highest score, and o- the only century in the tournament so far. And he scored exactly hundred, and that was just a couple of days ago. Most wickets is Mujibul ul Raman, rah, and he's got thirteen wickets. Now, here's the interesting thing: both Phillips and Raman have played one less game than their nearest livals, rivals on the leaderboard. So that's, that's sort of who's picking up the wickets and who's getting the runs there at the moment. And as I said, now I'm just going to bring up the uh, the Trinbago Knight Riders squad. So I'll make sure I get to the right tab. And there we have it. And if we have a look at the squad, guys, can you tell me, what do you pick up when you first look at the squad?
0: Pretty well stacked, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty <laughs> well there. Yeah,
2: I mean, plenty of experience there, and uh, like uh, Bravo there, and then uh, Pollard and uh, Colin Monroe. So you can't go wrong there, you know. One of them no. will probably have a good day. You know? Look, it's I mean, it, it, it,
1: you've got the Bravo, Bravos there. You've got Pollard. Yeah. You've got Colin Monroe. And as we go down the list, we've got Tim Seifert, who we know um, watching him locally, and and it's is a power hitter as well. Yep. So that basically got five power hitters there I mean, in the
2: side. has just come up like he's been betting up the order and scoring yep. like, at a really high strike rate. So I mean they've got like they've got like uh, a few experienced players, you know. So kind of yep. uh, like not like it's really that all of them will have a bad day on the same day, you know? <laughs>
1: It's the classic thing, and we're going to come to this. Well, obviously, when we look at the Australian squad, and and it's sort of like we've we've talked referred to it in the, the England T Twenty squad as well. As the fact is that you know when you've got a batting lineup that stretches and is deep, the guys at the top can go out there and just without fear have a go, um, and, and know yeah. that hey, if we fail, there's batters to come that will, yeah, take See, up the right. slack for yeah. <clears throat>
0: Absolutely.
2: I mean, someone like monroe has got, like, strike rate of, I think, 160 or something. I mean, that's crazy. Same with Pollard. So I guess, like, uh, it's not just good batsmen. It's the batsman who can just take away the game from you within five overs. And yep. uh, that's where sort of, um, like, they've got, I think they've got three or four guys who've got strike rate over 150. So <laughs> uh, that's, that saves it all, you know.
1: Well, I mean, like, uh, it is it was just alluded to, you know, your batting depth. And it was I, th- I think I was pretty sure it was in their last game. Or the one before it was either the last two games. Tim Seifert came out and and blasted uh, quick runs and in, in, in as well. So uh, yeah, they just got strike power all the way through. As you said, Sunil Narayan opens the innings as well, um, yeah. and then then he comes in and bowls at a ridiculously economical over rate as well. Yeah. So and they've,
2: they've got <clears throat> forward Ahmed as well, the Aussie leg spinner, and he's yep. been he's been around for a while and he's he's been quite economical overall. Like wherever you've played so i guess like um they've got what probably it takes to sort of you know um win win when t20 games and experience is there they've got good spin bowlers. they've got good power hitters so i mean like uh, you can't get away with not having a genuine quick bowl. but yep. uh, what they've got on, at uh, at their disposal um that's enough to and, and i think McCullum is their coach so i guess like he's played enough <laughs> um, sort of T20 cricket to figure out no, what's true. the best plan. He's played a little TV. bit, hasn't he? He's played a little bit. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I think they've got, um... like, overall, they've got a good combination because a lot of teams are missing their key players either due to COVID or injuries or whatever. So, this squad looks like, you know, sort of well-balanced squad and a lot of experience and uh, obviously, uh, someone like McCullum who is uh, who is not your sort of orthodox type. He was never an orthodox player and and he no. obviously coaches the same way as well. The fearless yeah. way,
1: you know. So yeah, that's um, exactly. probably the best way to sum it up. I was, was going to sort of say you just have a go, but it's fearless. He basically yeah. goes out there and said, "We're not going to come back wondering what. What if? We're yeah. going to go out there and just give it a go, and we're going to." I think
2: that's probably risks. what instilled in the players as well. Right. Yep.
1: Well you've got that the, confidence uh, when you know that the captain's telling you to go do it, you just go do it, don't you? you yes. you're not gonna you're not gonna get yelled at when you go back
0: into the shed because you stuffed <laughs> sure. up. Yeah, what did you do? But the interesting <laughs> stat here for that comp is that in the top ten run scorers, and we haven't even mentioned the name, is Lendl Simmons. He's one of the top ten there as well for the Knight Riders. Yep. And the Knight Riders have got three in the top ten, but if you extend it out to twelve, they're gonna have four. Um, top run getters in the comp, so yep. you know they're they're, they're, they're piling on it. the run. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then, I mean, like we talked about
1: Sunil Narone and um, forward Ahmed in terms of their bowling, and then, but you've got the Bravos that will bowl Pollard, that will bowl. Who are the you know all rounders? I mean, you got Monroe. Um, who, Monroe will bowl, um, although he's not quick. But what appears to be happening? These wickets don't seem to be the quickest. I mean, the spinners are doing well on them. So someone like Munro's going to come along. With a slow pace, and actually going to do well on it if he does bowl as well. Yeah, I
2: mean, Knight riders have probably played so far on better tracks as well, and yep. I think that's probably the later part of the, like you know, last few games. That's where we probably will see more and more used wickets. Because I was watching one of the games; it was like low-scoring game, as someone defended under hundred, and uh, so what I what they probably lack is out and out genuine fast bowlers. Yep. Uh, but you probably, as you said, like you know, the tracks will get slower. So you mm. probably need more change of pace
1: and more good good spin bowling. So I think on that front they're covered. Yep. It's just like um, you know uh, we we talked about it last week, and the fact that these pitchers are going to get tired because it's the <laughs> same. They've got two grounds off the top of my head, and they're playing all the games at those two grounds. So those pitchers are going to get tired. We've already seen some games. Uh, uh, Saint Lucia's Zooks, who I'll come to in a second as well, um, they played a game. They got they got under a hundred and they defended it. It was actually really bad batting by I can't remember who they played and defended it against, but it was very bad batting by them. They were only three down with about fifty runs, thirty runs to get. They were three down, and they managed to have well. They got restricted because they didn't even get Bob Bolt, or um, they went all out. They actually batted out the twenty and didn't get to the target. So uh, we're already seeing some seeing some low scores coming through. And I think
2: the teams which have better spinners will probably will have an upper hand towards the obviously back end of the, the tournaments of um, I think Majib and the um, I think the league spinner from Nepal are in the same team. Yep. So that's going to help. I mean, Rashid Khan is playing. So I guess like uh, although like Night Traders will definitely be going ahead in the well, the knockout states, but the the team which comes second and third will probably be based on the the, the teams which have better spin bowling combinations. spin bowlers. Mm.
1: Yep. I'm going to chuck a question out there now. I'm sort of thinking, Taran, if you're still out there and watching, uh, maybe you know the answer. To this: uh, are the franchise owners of the, for the Night Riders the same as the IPL Night Riders? So to my maybe, maybe yes. It is oh, okay, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, there is a yeah. strong
2: connection. If they're not the same owners, some of the shareholders are the same.
1: Right. Yep. That's cool. So we've we'll answered that now. Just um, as I said, so we've looked at TKR, the Trinbago Night Riders, and their their amazing squad. The surprise package for me has been the St. Lucia Zooks. Now, they're third on the table. um, And we've got to remember that the original St. Lucia team was um, disbanded, got rid of. And they came up with a new franchise from St. Lucia, the Zooks. So they've put a new team together and they're third on the table. So they're actually performing pretty well. You usually expect the team that's having those sorts of issues to struggle and be at the bottom of the table.
2: Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched a lot of their games, but um, as as you said, like it's hard to put up a team together like last minute and then uh, put up a good show. So I'm I'm sure like they would have a strong management who are sort of looking after the play play as well.
0: Play as well, yeah, absolutely. You've got some good so, names in there too. The Zooks, yeah, was, yeah, they was have actually. Sammy, Sammy Venn the captain, you know, Royston Chase, yeah, uh, Mitchell Cornwall, you know, Rakeem, the big spinner. Uh, yeah, even our very own Scott Kugeline there. So they've got some. They've got. They've got a pretty good lineup.
1: Actually, Scott actually been. He's been performing yeah. pretty well for them too. So uh, mm. they've been bringing him on at key times in the game, uh, yeah. and to close out the innings. So uh, yeah, absolutely, they've got some good players in there.
0: Absolutely. So interesting, though. I mean, you can you know, team might struggle, uh, but then the players come together, and that can make the difference too. can't Make it? the difference. It's good team. Sammy's,
2: uh, Sammy's been awesome leader. Like you know, obviously he played in BSL and he played. I mean, he's won World Cup for uh, West Indies. So I think mm. the leadership probably. Um, yeah, that's probably the first thing you need is a good leadership, and with Sammy, there kind of helps. I, it. I, I mean, he hasn't been like he hasn't been best of his form, but as a leader. I mean, he he will
1: still win your yeah. games. <clears throat> that's yeah. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll move on to the um, from from the CPL and we'll move to the next opponents for England, and that is going to be Australia. So they will be starting their series with the T20s, starting on the fifth of September. So that's just in a couple of days' time. So we'll look at their squad, and um, I'll go to the top again. There we go. Aaron Finch, as the captain, is expected, and we know. Um, but the interesting thing is, well, they've moved away from the two vice-captains model, which they introduced after Sandpaper Gate, and they've moved back to the uh, one vice-captain model. But the interesting thing for me is Pat Cummins. Hey, you guys surprised? Pat Cummins, vice-captain.
2: Well, his name has been coming up for a while, though, like even last year. because I mean, I think it's just not uh, it's more his leadership as well. He's played in IPL, so he's played a lot of uh, franchise. I mean, not a lot, but he's played and he's been part of the IPL. And um, I guess, like, as a although he's only 27, but he's been, you know, he made his international debut at 18 or something. So yep. he's not that inexperienced. Um, but I guess, like, it's always it's always surprising when they make a fast bowler uh, into a vice. Like when New Zealand did with Tim Salby, because you never know how long. I mean, because how long before they get injured, you know? And with Cummins um, being yeah, injury-prone. It- Absolutely. I have to
0: say, though, I'm sure Cummins has been vice captain in previous teams that they've had as well. Yeah,
2: so that's probably correct, since correct last me if I'm wrong, year.
0: but I'm sure last year he kept. He was yeah, vice yeah. captain. That's what I'm yeah. So
2: last year after yeah. that, uh, obviously, you know, the year before they had the uh, sandpaper saga, and they kind of they yep. they tried to develop leaders, and he was the one they came up. Like I think the few names came up: Alex Carey, the keeper. Mm. Yep, and yep, yep. Um, Pat Cummins were the names came up as like future leaders, and they've been sort of. Um, uh, they're put in the system and they're trying to sort of. Um, but I mean, Alex Carey was awesome, so I don't know why he's been demoted. Maybe Matthew Wade is sort of like you know uh, he might make a comeback. Make a comeback, you never know. Make a comeback, so yeah. I think...
1: I, yeah, I actually made a blue there. I was going. I was going to say Matthew Wade is going to be the keeper, but actually no, Alex Carey will be um, the, the top of the picking order. But whether they actually move things around and give Wade an sh- opportunity or not, we'll see.
2: Because between the two, Wade can still play as a batsman, but I'm not too sure if Alex Carey can. So that's where sort of a trade-off is, Uh, and maybe maybe that's why Alex has been sort of um, he's not the vice captain anymore because um, his position is sort of might not be uh, certain.
1: Yeah, just coming back to the bowlers (laughs) aspect of it, you know, having a bowler as vice captain, because what we definitely see with every international squad these days is that they rotate their bowlers through so that you know they can manage their workloads. So it's, it's interesting to have, as you say, a fast bowler and a fast bowler of the pace of Cummins um, to be as well, vice-captain when you could even, apart from breaking down with injury, you, you're probably still looking at him being part of rotation.
2: Yes, and maybe in the shorter format, not that much. I mean, it depends how, how much they play. But uh, like, if there's any fatigue, you probably want to give fast bowler a rest. And Cummins is sort of a bowler who's been in and out a lot not because of his form or anything, more because of his injuries. So, uh, but I think, like, he comes across from what I've read and what I've seen is, like, he's he's kind of, like, I think that Cricket Australia, after that sandpaper saga, they probably want to bring the sort of, like, what they believe are, like, the true leaders on and off the yeah. field. And uh, that's where Alex Carey and, like, Pat Cummins, and I Cummins, you know, maybe, like, young, young Aussies probably will look up to him, you know? And yep. in that way, I think they probably wanted to change the image of Australian cricket. And um, that could possibly be the reason. I'm not sure.
1: So if we go through the um, the players there, I mean, like, you just look at it's it's a, it's a who's who's of Australian cricket, is it? I mean, it's such a strong, strong squad. Um, obviously, Nathan Lyon will be for the ODI matches, he won't be playing in the T20s. But, you know, when we look through, we've got Aaron Finch at the stop. We'll have David Warner who will pop up there. But Glenn Maxwell, Glenn Maxwell's obviously definitely going to be playing T20s, possibly the ODIs as well. But, you know, bringing up someone like Glenn Maxwell in the middle, hit on miss. But if he has a good good first game, that can flow on to the other three games and even if the ODIs, if he plays.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, he, he brings a lot more to the table. It's not just his batting. He bowls. He's an excellent fielder. He's fielder. a very good boundary rider. So, like, I mean, unless he's he's in terrible form with the bat, you were playing because uh, the World Cup is in India and then in Australia. Both in India and Australia, his records are amazing in T20s. So yep. it's it's more the confidence you give him, and he was probably, um, I guess, like you know, he could could have been someone who was probably in the leadership group uh, if because he he took some time off because of um, you know obviously some uh, issues he had. So, yep. I mean, I guess like he will, he he should be a starter. I'll be surprised yep. if they don't pick him. Like you know, uh, there's and there's we keep Philippi, the young keeper. Uh, yeah, I saw so, I saw him in the big bash and he is he he's he is amazing. And so, um, one to
1: keep out, one to keep an eye out for, and hopefully get some game time. He's
2: he's not big, but he hits the ball hard, and he's he's a decent keeper overall, a good package, especially quite being quite young as well. So I hope yep. he gets a go, but
1: well, let's see. That's that's the interesting thing you'll see through this Australian squad is that you, you take a Josh Felipe, um, a Riley Meredith, with twenty at uh, twenty three and twenty four, but you look at the others and they're really experienced. They've played a lot of cricket. You know, you, you're going in through the, the Kane Richardson's, um, Stevens, Steve Smith, the you know Test captain, Mitchell Stark, Marcus Tuinis, um, you know. These guys are in their 30s or late 20s and plenty of experience coming through, isn't there? I mean, not coming through, but there.
2: And the good thing is, like, they've got a few all-rounders in the mix. And uh, when you play all-rounders, that means you can carry one or two extra players as well. Yeah. Um, so someone like, say, on a good day, uh, Stoinis might give you two, three overs. Um, on a good day, Mitchell Marsh will give you two, three overs. Uh, yep. On a good day, Maxwell can give you four overs you know, yep. in a, a yep. twenty-over game. So that may, sort of that gives you enough room to try out someone like like the young fast bowler up there, and uh, yep. even like an extra batsman. So yep. that kind of like Dan Dan Sams is an all-rounder, left armor, and yep. he can hit a ball. So like um, especially when going to India, because Sams does ball a good slow ball, and um, and the, obviously the next World Cup being in India. So I guess like they can try out players because um, someone like say um, Mitchell Marsh and um, Maxwell can bowl a few overs. So that sort of uh, gives gives you sort of a bit more room to try out one or two players here and there.
1: Yep, which is what the Australians like to do. Yeah. So, so yeah, coming to back the surprise, questions... to the yeah. question,
2: to my surprise, sorry, um, Usman missed out um, because he, surpri- he hasn't surprised? Yep. Yeah, yeah, because like uh, for shorter formats, he definitely I think like when he got dropped, he was leading up to that 12 months, he was he was the highest one-day run-getter run for Australia, and and big Bass, he has been in form. So I guess like they've either they carry the other senior guys or him, so they kind of sort of put him aside because the World Cup is in India. Although he's he's done well in India recently, but overall he struggled against spin. Yep. Um, mm, and same uh, same. they're carrying uh, obviously they've got like strong senior guys like say Finch and uh, Steve Smith and Warner so they probably, I, I guess that's the reason they don't want to because uh, like someone said like if you've got a senior player rather not pick him than bench him you know mm, mm. So, uh, that's about Root, that's why they didn't pick Root because they said Ruud, well, he's, yep. if, if you're not going to pick him there's no point benching him so yeah. I, I assume that's the case with Usman uh, Khawaja as well
1: how old was Khawaja when he came to Australia? Four or five? Oh, okay. So, yeah, no, that's fine. Because I was sort of saying... He's doing to like... Aussie. Like, he played in
2: 1934 yeah, Australia no. and
1: everything. The only reason I, was, I, I thought if he was a bit older it's just like, you know, you would have had some time with, maybe with a bit more spin bowling in the backyard sort of thing. Because no, it's surprising no. <laughs> when you sort of think of an Asian Look, background I mean, player. He's,
2: he scored 100, 100 met 715 tests against Pakistan in Dubai. So I don't, I think he's overcome that challenge been against issue. spin bowling but it's just the overall fitness and fielding and stuff so i think the the whole package they cannot yeah. carry that many senior sort of players and old they, fellas. Yes, so he's been left out. Se- sen- senior citizens. <laughs> they got a few there, though, haven't they? They got a few yeah. there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's funny because it's like we say they've got a few year, few there. But at the end of the day, the early thirties, aren't they? Still, they still most players they go are. through to about 35, 34, 35. So they've still got wow. a good three, four, maybe even five years to come That's out correct. of their um experienced players. Gee,
2: it yeah. still
0: surprises yeah. me. David Warner's only thirty-three.
2: Yeah. So yeah Usman uh, uh, would be Kwaja would be around the same age because they're all yeah. the age group of cricket together.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. here we go. So what what do we think? Aussie will dominate England?
2: Oh, look, I mean England has played uh, two series leading up to yep. this one. So yes. I guess like uh, at, at in their backyard um, I would be surprised if um, England doesn't give tough time to Australia. Australia. So yeah, so I would say England will win the series, but let's see. Sure,
1: well, I just thought, like, you know, I, I suppose it's because we're Kiwis and we always are like, geez, that Australian side looks hard. Yes. You know, yeah, it's just like we could go back to when Kim Hughes was captain and we'd go, oh, jeez, that Australian look, side looks hard. And it's yeah. like, it wasn't. <laughs> the, the thing is,
2: like, 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 yeah. like, you know, it's a 20-over game, right? So they, you cannot face more than 120 balls unless there are a few no balls, right? So with England player having a lot more time in the middle of recently, and playing, they have more game time than yep. Australian players. So yep. keeping that in mind, I'm, Owen Morgan, these guys are hitting ball as well as David Warner. Owen yep. Morgan in T20 is as good as anyone Australia has. So Absolutely. I guess like in a one-day cricket, it's different because, like, you know, Steve Smith and these guys are a lot better players in one-day cricket. But when it comes to, like, T20s, England um, are a strong team, in my opinion.
1: And, and I, I suppose, you know, to... to, to take one of your points there in particular it doesn't matter what the sport is is that time on the field is is so with so much value to it and if you haven't had that time on the field out there playing the game it's hard you can't replicate it you can't replicate game I, time I mean,
2: Australia has only lost one game out of the last 11 game they've played so obviously they're they're coming with a good like record the only issue is the last game they played was but like you know good six seven months ago. So that's where,
0: sort of, I think the difference is. Sad. It's that match fitness, eh? Coming to the fore okay. again with the English yep. having played so many games. But i I I'm still, you know, been the Kiwi and knowing that is what the Aussies are like, I, I still wouldn't surprise me if they come out and beat them.
1: It's, it's, it's that battler thing in them as well, isn't it? It is, isn't it?
0: it is. I mean, just think of the name Matthew Wade. Yeah, fair fair dinkum Aussie battler.
1: (laughs) You got to say that with more of an Aussie twang when you say it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I should.
1: Uh, Look, as we as we always do, we've run over a bit of time, so we better move on to our last topic, which um, then bringing it back to local for us guys living here in New Zealand. um, Gary Stead has just had his contract extension put through for another three years. That'll take him through for five years and through the. Ah, uh, 2023, which will mean that he'll uh, have the right through to the World, um, ODI World Cup. So um, another ODI World Cup. How how do we feel about Gary Stead being appointed uh, for another three years? Do we think it's the right move?
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, it's quite subjective, obviously. You know, uh, mm. but uh, like, if you look at New Zealand's squad, uh, who do you think will retire in the next four years? I mean, mm. yeah, like it's Ross yeah. Taylor, maybe.
1: Ross Basketball. Taylor's basically... I mean, like, Ross Taylor is pretty much the only one that pops in there. You keep thinking yeah. Tim southey has been there forever and he, he might... But, but he's, he's actually still he got... Wants. He's still got a few years left in him.
2: Yeah, so yeah. I think, like, if your squad is the same and they have had enough success over the time and uh, and you've got, like... Because, like, I think it's the relationship between captain and the coach and uh, I'm sure they would have got advice from, um, like, Kane Williamson as well that, you know, or senior guys like Kane and... You'd hope so. Um, you know, so they... <laughs> They probably would have uh, um, been happy with the coach. So, because there's not a lot of new players to be introduced in the next like twelve months or next twenty-four months. I mean, like if these senior pros are still around, your nucleus of the team is the same. Yep. And and if they're having success with the current coach, why would you change it? You know. So I, I think it's a good decision. And that based on that, that yes, if we had like say four like if we're talking about you've got like four or five guys in late thirties and you're, like, it's a transformation team, period, then you can mm-hmm. see that, like, you know, you probably need more dynamic coach and, you know, sort of who can um, handle things better. But, I mean, he's done well. I mean, apart from that 3-0 loss to Australia, I mean, we beat India 2-0 and uh, England at home as well.
1: So Yeah, I was going um, yeah. to say, I mean, like, the only misstep that you can say that he's really had was that in Australia, and you, you put that down to possibly two things. Obviously, it's actually see um, management, Issue in terms of just not enough, the prep time. The prep time, sending the guys over there um, to, to, to Perth to start with was just, just crazy. Um, and the other issue was that, obviously, Brendan McCullum was uh, the batting coach and, obviously, um, reti- well, left the Black Caps at the end of the uh, World Cup. Peter Fulton, which I, I, I think, and surely Gary Stead would have had a say in that, but that was a real bad error on his or judgment on his behalf. Uh, pointing Peter Fulton as a batting coach, I, I think he just didn't have the experience to step into that position. So I, I think you know when you look at that, it's it's one misstep w- amongst a lot of success.
2: Yeah, and and like obviously like Kane has been captain for a while since after like obviously McCullum retiring. So I think like because there's the continuity of the players, like you know, I mean the nucleus will be the same, the leadership groups will be the same. So I don't think if if anyone was coach for that era and then carries on. I, I don't think, like, in this incidence, the coach is not the most important person, like, you know, uh, because yeah. um, it's your leadership group and because they are the same and I'm sure they want him to stay. And yep. uh, that is why he's staying on.
1: Well, actually, raises a really good uh, point. You know, what you've said is it's obviously over the last year in particular, there's been the sort of, uh, um, there's, there's issues between um, Gary Stead and Kane Williamson. And uh oh, and they're gonna make um, Latham the, the captain and that sort of thing. You'd have to that, that's all been put to bed, obviously. Otherwise Kane Williamson would have not given the endorsement that would have been required for NZC to just automatically put Gary Stead in and uh, give him a contract extension. So you'd have to say yeah. that is that the <clears throat> yeah, confidence I mean, like, is there both ways.
2: Gary Stead is from Canterbury. So yep. obviously, I mean like um Latham is from Canterbury. So you can see the connection there that they were probably like say with McCallum and Hessen, right? Mike Hessen get yep. on really well with McCallum because both were from Otago. They played some cricket together. They know each other for a while, and like so I could see that like you know if if, if like if someone puts uh, like you know sort of Latham's name up uh, with uh, with the coach, you can see that why why is that? But yep. uh, Kenny's like, just, uh, like, he's been, you know, Mr. Cool, like, you know. So, <laughs> uh, you, you want to give him the captain. And uh, I guess, like, uh, he would have endorsed it. Yeah. Uh, because he's a, such a big part of, because he plays all formats. He's your key player. I um, mean, he would have had an input in it. And I assume that they wanted to carry on with it.
1: Yeah, just to answer um, Aaron's question in the chat room, Jerry yeah, Stead was the only applicant for the uh position or was the only one looked at for the position there was nobody else that was actually uh, interviewed at or looked at at all so no, I mean, uh yeah
2: it wasn't he was the only person they interviewed but that's what i'm saying is like because um they didn't feel the need to need, of need to need
1: to exactly yeah, yeah yeah i mean so, right. w- you've had a chat to the senior management group yeah. they're all comfortable yeah as everything lines up then it's just a fait accompli yeah, here's, here's an I suppose the only only question mark would be, is that how long would you go for? Would you extend it out for one, two or three years or what, how you come up with that period? I, you know, and the other thing to say about that is that it's professional sport, right? You co- Coaches sign contracts for one year, 10 years. Doesn't really mean anything, does it? No, I, I yeah, guess and, and it's a said, contract for 10 years it could yeah. be after if he has two years of bad results he's out on his ear. exactly
2: exactly it's That's not it. like yeah it's not set in the stone like you know you can always sort of and as I said like you know there's not a lot of changes happening in New Zealand cricket in the next four years so yep. the next three years at least in terms of the players going in and going out no, it's so, pretty consistent. Mean, yeah so might as well stick with him. so Absolutely.
0: who would have been other contenders anyway yeah, that's the thing. But Who I don't is know out if there? Stephen
2: Bond has been around. Um, Victoria has been coaching some franchises and doing well. I mean, uh, Fleming has been doing well, but I don't know if they want to take up the job because right. obviously it won't be the highest-paid coaching job, um, mm. from my understanding.
1: Oh, we, we we know that exactly. It's just like you know, yeah. we know that Shane, um, Stephen Fleming, and uh, Vittoria will be getting paid a hell of a lot more for their um, yeah. various um, T20 um, gigs that they have around the world.
2: And there will be a few first-class coaches who have been successful, but again, like with no ex- international experience. Like Gary said, didn't have much international experience before he got in. So, no. like, um, but it's as I said, it's not the highest-paid coaching job around the world. So, so you will have even, in this.
0: I have to ask, though, did um, he't have much international experience before he became coach?
2: So, no, he, he actually I don't think he was a Tago's coach.
0: Yeah. Mm. And uh, so the it,
2: thing was he had good relationship with the likes of uh, McCullum. Yeah. And yeah. so the leadership had confidence in him. Yeah. And that's the key. Like, you know, if your leadership is confident. Same with Gary stid because he was Canterbury's coach. And yeah.
0: uh, like four or five of your, you know, black caps were from Canterbury Island at the Ex- time, so
2: they, Yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. So it's on a button whoever's thing, coaching M D probably, you know, will get
0: the next go. So if you're a sparring coach out there, maybe ND's your next move. Oh, turn. <laughs> 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 <to get him. laughs>
1: I was gonna ND. say <laughs> I was gonna say, realistically speaking, in terms of um, coaches that you'd sort of be looking at and answering Rohan's question is like who's out there? Heinrich Milan would be probably um high on the list. I mean, the success that he's had with CD, um, he he came in and um got a couple of um tournament wins with um the aces as well. So I, I suppose he, he'd be somebody that would be looked at um to possibly make that step up at some stage. Um,
2: he's got impressive CV and like, you're right, mm-hmm. like he's probably he's one of the guys next in line, but as I said, like it's just like how much experience you have. Working with the current lot of black caps, and um, like I said, like eight or nine black caps and playing for ND when they come where New Zealand is not playing, so you know, that's there you go. So, you know, if you get to know Kane well, you never know.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, hell, guys, as, as I said, yes. we've as we always do because we enjoy talking cricket so much, we've, we've run over time, but that's okay because uh, you know, it's it's great talking these uh, topics that we do, and we love getting through them but thanks once again for coming out on the show um it's always really appreciate the effort that guys make to make yourselves available to talk cricket uh and put the show out so thanks once again for coming on the show and uh look forward to having you back again uh hopefully next week we'll have those chats during the week as we do and um to everybody out there in the in the interweb Thank you for watching and make sure that you hit that like button, you hit that share button. You've got to hit that share button so your friends can see the show as well and you can tell them what a great show it is. Now, here on New Zealand Sport Radio, we have a multitude of shows coming to you during the week. We have the Driving More Show talking all rugby on Monday night. We have basketball talking primarily NBA, particularly at the moment, on Tuesday nights. We've got the standoff. That is talking the NRL and the game that keeps on giving on Wednesday nights. Thursday, the best show on the New Zealand Sport Radio, Swinging from the Hip, and we'll be back here at 8 o'clock next week. And then Friday and Sunday, we have Rugby super rugby will have also probably a north south review this week as well so make sure you're tuning into new zealand sport radio tune in at seven o'clock in the morning to catch up with all your sporting news that you need with the morning sports briefing and we'll see you back here next thursday at eight o'clock with swinging from the hip for your cricketing fix hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter